Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. (laughs) Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We've reached the middle of another week and we're edging ever closer to Christmas, but there isn't much goodwill going on out there. Today, we're kicking off with a shocking story of extremism and hate speech, and it's going on under our very noses. Dr. Zakir Naik is an Islamic preacher who founded something called Peace TV 12 years ago. He claims it has 200 million viewers around the world, but more importantly than that, it is broadcast in Britain and contains some of the most ghastly content you could ever imagine. Imagine allowing this former medicine man to preach hatred about Jews and homosexuals and to encourage Muslims to kill any other Muslim who abandons his or her faith. To make matters worse, Dr. Nike has already been banned from this country back in 2010 for praising Osama bin Laden and suggesting that in his words all Muslims should be terrorists. We spend our lives talking about the police in Britain chasing after people for using hate speech. We talked an awful lot about it yesterday. How is it possible that a man who encourages the killing and maiming of ordinary men, women and children in this country is allowed to promulgate his campaign on our TV screens? 0344 499 1000. We'll be talking to the Henry Jackson Society to find out exactly what we can do about this. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll also be finding out why so many children are apparently gambling their lives away and why some rather idiotic scientists think that parents are not responsible for their own children becoming obese. Have they gone completely mad? 0344 499 1000. There's loads more going on of course including why we shouldn't be advertising women's underwear anymore and whether God is actually a man. You're listening to me, Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. There's an awful lot of stories out there in the Naked City today, but we've chosen one from the Times this morning because it's a horrific story and one which really shouldn't be allowed uh, to be even having to be written about because uh, Matthew Moore, the media correspondent, has picked up from the Henry Jackson Society, and we're going to speak to Emma Webb, who's a research fellow there very shortly, that this character, uh, this guy, this Dr. Zakir Nayak, who's 53 years old and now lives in Malaysia, is still allowed to broadcast peace TV Uh, which is an extremist hate TV station on the Sky platform in this very country. I'm not going to ask you to go and find it. I'm not going to ask you to go and look at it. But have a listen to this and see whether you think this should be allowed to be broadcast. Brother Lobo has asked that how can I prove 9-11 of the inside job? I've got the proofs. I can repeat the proof. It has been proven by other people. Just a few days back, there was an article that came in the newspaper that 75 professors of US, they say... 
they believe that 9-11 was an inside job. It says that 75 professors and scientists belonging to different universities from different parts of US, they believe that 9-11 was inside job. And they say that there were some politicians in White House who have engineered the destruction of the Twin Towers. We do not believe that 19 hijackers and a few men in the cave in Afghanistan could have done such a professional job alone. They could not have done it. We know that the steel beam of the Twin Towers, they couldn't have melted at the temperature at which the jet fuel was there. And there were systematic bomb explosions which caused this to come down. Otherwise, it cannot come down. This guy's also accused con uh, Jewish people of hatching conspiracies. Uh, he says that uh, they consider non-Jews to be not human. Uh, he refers to the protocols of the elders of Zion. Uh, he talks about how one group of scholars, they say that if a Muslim becomes a non-Muslim, he should be put to death. There is another group of scholars who say that if a Muslim becomes a non-Muslim and propagates his new faith against Islam, then he should be put to death. He adds, I tend to agree more with the second group of scholars. It's absolutely unbelievable this guy who's banned from this country and is not allowed to come here and speak is allowed to broadcast in this country the same kind of hatred uh, that has got him the ban in the first place. It's absolutely unbelievable. 0344 499 1000 is the number I want you to call me on because we are always being told that the police are constantly chasing people around in this country uh, for making hate speech, for committing hate crime against all sorts of people, whether they be transgender, uh, whether they be gay, whether they be uh, black or, or Muslim or white uh, or Japanese or whatever it is. Somehow, this guy has slipped through the net. We're going to talk now to Emma Webb, research fellow at the Henry Jackson Society, who's written a paper about all of this. Emma, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. It seems incredible, does it not, that uh, this uh, guy has a platform to speak in this country. It seems extraordinary. I'm, I'm sort of struggling to find any kind of reason for that to be the case. Well, it's completely mad and completely unacceptable. It's clear that if anybody is not fit to hold a license, it's this man. Yeah. Um, he was banned from entering the country, as you mentioned, in 2010. Um, he only resigned as the licensee of this channel in May this year. So for eight years, he's been allowed to continue accessing UK audiences. Mm. And so I think the question there really is, how is it possible that there is one standard for banning someone from the country and another standard for allowing them to continue to access UK audiences in a completely free and open way? This is a man who's also the chairman of a UK-registered charity still to this day, which means that our regulators, Ofcom and the Charity Commission, are clearly holding people to a different standard. Um, mm. And I just think it's quite clear that they have to have their licence removed. Yeah, I mean, Ofcom say they're pursuing six separate investigations into the channel, but they found them in breach in the past and fined them quite substantial amounts of money and yet allowed them to continue to broadcast. Exactly. I mean, these... The, the, this 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 uh, channel has repeatedly broadcast extreme content, and again they're investigating them again for extreme content. But I think actually this really isn't about content. It, it's it's about the fact that this is a, a man who shouldn't be um, holding the license of a t of a TV channel. Right. And also that if you were to go, and I'm not encouraging uh, listeners to go and do this, but if you go and look on the uh, television channel's list of speakers on their website, it is a roster of extremist speakers. This is a, this is a, a television channel that has been set up solely for the purpose of promoting their extreme views. Uh, and it's absurd that it's been allowed to go on for so long. So even though... Um, Ofcom are able to remove licenses when there have been repeated breaches of the broadcasting code in terms of content, which is obviously something that they're continuing to investigate. It's clear that if you look at this from a common sense 
perspective, overall, looking at what the purpose of this channel is, it just shouldn't be allowed to have a licence. It shouldn't be allowed to broadcast in this country. I mean, the watchdog has got a statutory duty, as indeed many people would argue, to ensure that anyone with a licence to broadcast in this country is fit and proper. I mean, under no stretch of the imagination is this guy, Dr Zakir Naik, uh, fit and proper, is he? Exactly. I mean, he's, he is the, the, the epitome of what you would imagine of somebody who definitely is not fit and proper. You would think it would be quite straightforward that if somebody has been banned from entering the country because they're an extremist by the Home Secretary, then of course they shouldn't be allowed to reach people in this country when it's already been deemed that they're you know, not, good for, not good for you know, the public to, to, to be hearing. Um, and I just think, you know, this is this is one example among many. There are other um, channels as well. Uh, there's another channel called Huda TV, which has a very similar list of speakers, and right. they do a very similar thing. And we need to be asking ourselves, should we be shifting focus away from just looking at, you know, breaches of content to the overall picture? What are the purposes, purposes of these channels? What are they trying to accomplish by accessing UK audiences? And is there some kind of uh, a, a sort of special... A purpose that, that, that Ofcom thinks that these operations serve, that, you know, they're so keen to show that diversity is very important. They're so keen to show that freedom of speech is so important that they allow these things to exist. I mean, is there a sort of um, uh, an imperative like that? Well, the fit and proper duty is um, it, it, it has quite a high bar because they have to respect international law on um, freedom of expression, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. And the Broadcasting Code has very um, clear guidelines for this. They have actually been quite good in the past, and um, only recently uh, they, they removed the licence of a channel that hadn't even begun broadcasting because of its links to extremism. Mm. So they obviously are aware of this and are capable of removing licences under the fit and proper duty and have shown that they are trying to adapt themselves and respond to changes in hate speech and, and changes um, according to sort of like the, this, this ever-evolving extremist challenge. Um, but clearly something has gone amiss here. If, if this has been allowed to continue for the last eight years since he was banned from entering the country, this, even whether, whether or not he is still the license holder of this station, it is still his channel. He founded it, he's the main speaker, and it hosts, almost ubiquitously hosts extremists. And as far as his actual um, banning is concerned, when he was banned by Theresa May uh, in 2010, uh, he had said that Osama bin Laden was a great man and that all Muslims should be terrorists. I mean, that was the context in which uh, he was banned, right? Exactly. And he also has been connected, um, ideologically connected to uh, various attacks, including the Dhaka bombings. His channel is banned in numerous other countries, including Bangladesh, as is the charity that's registered here that funds it is banned abroad as well. So it seems absurd that in the UK we're allowing basically our, our country to become a hub for his activities, despite the fact that he's banned from from entering. No, indeed. And what is this kind of uh, the, the situation regarding off uh, Ofcom and, and uh, internet TV stations because obviously we saw, I think I'm right in saying Press TV, the Iranian uh, funded broadcaster, taken off the, 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 off the, the sort of the regular TV platform but it now broadcasts on the internet and it's very difficult to block that out isn't it? Yeah so Ofcom do have the ability to deal with um, streaming online streaming that falls within their remit but channels like Press TV for example don't fall within um, within their remit. They, they're not eligible to hold a license in this country, right. which is why they've had their license removed. Um, but it's obviously a problem that, for example, channels like Peace TV, as well as um, channels 
other channels like the one I mentioned, Huda TV, they have online platforms where they publish um, extremist uh, um, articles. They publish other forms of extremist material on YouTube, for example, including using it as a platform for other extremist speakers. And one of the ch one of the uh, programs that's being investigated at the moment by Ofcom is available on YouTube for anyone to go and watch. Right, Not and that that's a massive. Anyone does no, that. of course, but that is a massive problem, isn't it, for uh, those who would seek to kind of um, uh, to to to, to normalise, if you like, what is actually broadcast out there? Because we do seem to have in this country a very confused view of freedom of speech, don't we? Because there are certain things you can't say, uh, and yet these guys can come out and talk about all sorts of horrors um, and be incredibly kind of. Um, nasty and brutal and ghastly to to the jewish community to the homosexual community you know but if i was to do that you know i'd be ripped off the air straight away yeah i think that the spectrum of what we think of as hate speech and what we're willing to attack as hate speech has been completely warped yeah. if you think of what's been referred to recently as the offense archaeologists who go back looking for anything that somebody might have said in the past that is remotely um remotely right-wing or um, remotely questionable in any way. Um, and yet these guys who are clearly on the far, far end of the spectrum are not getting any attention, and it's not clear why. Um, obviously, Ofcom, as, as you mentioned, they are investigating them for their extreme content. But the question is why these people are being allowed to have any access to audiences at all and why there isn't more outrage about that, you know, ex extremism and anti-Semitism coming from people like Zakir Naik, when we're so sensitive about what I would regard as, like, lesser issues. And obviously, hate speech is something that is right, rightly focused on, and Ofcom deal with hate speech from all, all, all uh, ideological um, positions. But I think that something clearly has gone amiss here, and, and the spectrum that, that we, um, and the sort of, like... Uh, the criteria that we apply seems to be slightly warped. No, indeed. And of the six investigations that they are currently involved in, I mean, are any of those going to be proven serious enough, do you think, in order for them to be taken off the t uh, TV? And I think, actually, the fact that they've been investigated on so many occasions should be enough to say that, you know, we can't trust these people to not broadcast extremist content. There have been cases in the past where Ofcom have removed people's licences because they have repeatedly aired extremist content. And... Clearly, this is a channel that, firstly, we know that we can't trust them because they have done this again and again and again. And if they find that, again, they have been airing extreme content, then, of course, they should remove their license. But actually, I think that's besides the point. The, the license should be removed because of their connections to extremism more broadly, regardless of the content that they're airing. No, indeed. I've got an interesting uh, tweet here from Boxing. He says, imagine if Peace TV was run by Jada Franson or Tommy Robinson. It would be closed down uh, in seconds. That's probably true, isn't it? I think so. I mean, I, in fact, I have absolutely no doubt. Uh, again, this goes back to the standards that we're applying. This is, this is a man, of course, who, as, as you mentioned before, he's, he's in Malaysia now. He was based in India. Um, and he's trying to access and influence the ideology of communities inside a foreign country, inside the UK. Um, and it seems that we hold him to a, an entirely different standard. He's a very, very famous man and a very well-known hate preacher. Mm. And I think if any of the things that he had said had been said by anybody else, then his, his license surely would have been removed. Right. I mean, he left India, this guy, after it was revealed that the militants who killed 22 civilians in an attack uh, on a cafe in Dhaka in Bangladesh have been inspired by his sermons. He claims to have 200 million viewers around the world. I mean, that's an awful lot of influence, isn't it? 
It is. He's he's extremely well known and he's very popular on social media. And this channel is his really his personal platform. Yeah, I mean, it's a shocking state of affairs, really. So, I mean, is there anything anybody can actually do? I mean, can people complain to Ofcom? Can people actually write to somebody and say, you know, why is this being allowed to continue? Well, I think this is something that Ofcom need to deal with. But I would, I would say that, you know, anybody who's willing to even, for example, write to their MP and say, look, this is something that I'm concerned about. Um, and just to try and, you know, raise awareness of the fact that this is a problem and to be, and to be aware of it, I think, is, is one thing. But Ofcom, I think, and also um, Parliament, we, we really need to be having a discussion about whether or not our regulators and whether or not our current legislation actually meets the nature of the challenge. Because it's quite clear that extremists get benefits from broadcasting besides content and that content is just a drop in the ocean in, in this broader picture of the way that they're using these channels to access UK audiences. Right. And it's quite clear that we're not meeting up to that challenge properly. And though Ofcom do have the tools to do this, and I think that they are quite sincere in you know, wanting to try and meet this challenge, we're not there yet and we're not getting there fast enough. And what about the idea that, that, that you know, if the Home Office bans somebody from entering the country, thereby uh, pretty much denouncing them as a danger to society, how is, it, how is it that that does not cover as well any kind of virtual performance that they may give, you know, i.e. they can't actually, you know, uh, do radio shows in this country that broadcast here or they can't do TV shows that broadcast here? How does that work? Exactly, it should do. I mean, it seems absurd, even from a common sense point of view, it seems completely absurd that the Home Office would have one standard for judging somebody inappropriate to enter the country, but then our regulators either don't have the power to or are not able to or haven't figured out how to do anything about exactly the same individual for the same reasons. And it does seem mad, and I think it's because it is. Well, it is absolutely mad. And, I mean, as far as his sort of operation in Malaysia is concerned, I mean, presumably Malaysia is, is quite a, a, a big a country with many, many different parts of it uh, which are quite disparate, and there are many, many uh, different Muslim organisations there. I mean, is he considered to be dangerous there or not? Well, I think the fact that he's taken refuge there means that he, he probably feels quite safe there, um, quite safe to continue operating from there. Right. Um, but he's obviously moving around because it's become... A, relatively hostile to him in India. Um, so I think the fact that, for example, um, his channel's been banned in Bangladesh is a sign that when he goes to a country or, you know, when he has activities in a country, people become wise to what he's doing there. Um, and it does seem a bit strange that the UK of all places hasn't sort of wised up to, mm. to what's going on. Right. It's really a terrible situation. Emma, thanks very much indeed uh, for your help. Emma Webb, Research Fellow at the Henry Jackson Society. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you're listening to Talk Radio online, did you know you can also listen on DAB Digital Radio? Radio is growing and more people than ever across the UK can now receive DAB radio stations with new transmission areas being added all the time. So press the auto-tune or auto-scan button on your DAB Digital Radio now to make sure you don't miss out. For more details, go to talkradio.co.uk forward slash retune. A couple of tweets to read out on the food front. Uh, Rob says, at a young age, you think you're remorseful and that your body can handle anything you throw at it. Back in the 80s, after school, most days, I ate a bag of wine gums and sugary pop, then had dinner at home. I was the skinniest kid in class. A lot of this is genetic, in my opinion. And Julia says, school meals are the worst. My son purchased a ham sandwich from the school canteen and couldn't eat it because it had more butter on it than bread. It was disgusting and very greasy. I make his lunches, but with the odd occasion, he will use the canteen, always with regret. Well, we're continuing the sort of the health theme. Uh, What we're hearing, of course, from this new study uh, from King's King's College London is that children uh, do not get obese because of their parents. They get obese because they are kind of um, uh, sort of genetically predisposed to doing so. But how about being genetically disposed to being a hypochondriac? Because we're going to talk now to Dr. Lawrence Buckman uh, about the fact that so many people Google uh, problems that they might have medically and find out that they're having a brain tumour or they're having some kind of aneurysm and they really are making terrible mistakes by assuming all sorts of stuff. Uh, Dr Buckman, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. It is a terrible uh, disease, isn't it, Googling uh, what's wrong with you? Because uh, everyone I know that ever does it always comes out with something horrendous. It's never something mild and not very important, is it? No, what you need is a remote website in some <clears throat> backwater in America... <laughs> And invariably it says that you're going to get coma convulsions and death yes. from what, whatever it is you look up about anything. Right. And <clears throat> I reckon I get two or three consultations per session, which means per half day, mm. that centre on somebody's Google activity. Right. They, so always, they, tell actually, so, done, they so, always tell me they've done research yeah, on Google. Right. What they mean is they, they looked, they pressed something in Google and out came coma convulsions and death. Right. So, for, for example, I, don't, I haven't tried it, but, I mean, I suppose if I was to do it live here on the radio, put in, you know, why have I got a headache? It could, it could end up telling me I'm having some kind of brain tumour, right? I, I guarantee you you'll find brain tumour very quickly. Right. Um, I've already had one of those this morning. Um, <laughs> and not personally, but no. a patient came in. No, I see and, what you're saying. And the fact is that Google is a very useful source of information. What it's not a useful source of is replacing professional advice. Yes. Um, It's always a good idea, just like you probably wouldn't repair your car uh, in detail by using a Google search. Mm. Probably not better to do the same with your body that way and bring your body along to somebody who's trained to look at it. Uh, And they might have an idea, your doctor or your nurse might have an idea what the matter might be. Because Google will invariably lead you to the worst possible diagnosis, which is always something awful. 
No, indeed. I mean, funnily enough, I have the same argument with people about journalism because now that we can access all sorts of pieces of information, it's all fantastic for the world. You know, I always say to people, yeah, but you don't know how to process that information. And in fact, the problem you're now going to have is that you've got information overload and you can't tell what's real and what isn't. And I suppose this is the yes. same problem, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. And what happens is that you're so full of information that the consultation, instead of being about you... <laughs> Is about your. I think I'd Google a cough Google if I were you there, Dr. Buckman. I mean, you I'll know, do you that. know what you Certainly might find. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> We're basically talking about your Google search rather than whatever it was you came to see me about. Yes. And is that, I mean, is it is it fueling sort of hypochondria, if you know what I mean? No, not at all. People have symptoms, they want them fixed, quite rightly. So they look up the symptoms, thinking they'll save themselves time and not come to the doctor. And. Your cough is pneumonia, or it's TB, or you've got lung cancer. It's never you've got a cold. Mm. I mean, I'm quite um, pleased to say that. I'm quite pleased to say that uh, having put in uh, the question to Google, "Why do I have a cough?" It's actually thrown up um, an NHS um, website, which is probably quite sensible. I wonder if they've fixed uh, partly the way that people search for things, because uh, at least right. they're going to get if they go to an NHS website, at least they're going to get something sensible. Right. If you get the NHS website, and I would recommend that to anybody. The American equivalent is the National Institutes for Health. Right. Those two are reliable, sensible, government approved, um, not going to come out with quackery, not going to recommend you put boot polish on your leg, um, not going to sell you something and will give you sensible, reasonable advice. Yes. If you're going to do a Google search, stop when you get to an official website. Right. Because alternatively, I've also found uh, a health magazine in which it says uh, if you've got a dry spasmodic cough, spasmodic cough, which yours sounded like, uh, you could have GERD, which apparently is short for gastroesophageal reflux disease. Gastroesophageal reflux disease, yeah. yes. Uh, well, I'd get that actually, checked out if I were you. It's quite all right. I've had it for 35 <laughs> years. I caught something <laughs> off a patient. Right. Um, but I'm okay. And the, the answer is, most people have a reason for their symptoms. Right. But if you Google it, you're never going to get to that reason. Mm. Use an NHS website or the, or the American equivalent, and you'll get something reliable. Anywhere else, you are you are you might be very entertained, yes. but you might also be very scared. Yeah, and now, I don't think it's hypochondria. Yeah. Remember, every hypochondriac has one fatal disease. Um, so <laughs> it's true. Never, I've got another one for you here. Uh, never dismiss people as hypochondriacs. I don't know any hypochondriacs. Um, I've never met one. Right. I've met people who are worried about their health, right. which seems to me to be reasonable. Mm. No, fair enough. But as long as you haven't got chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which is another thing you could have, apparently, if it's a chronic hacking cough. No, that's, that that's a lot different, of but you probably know about that. People with COPD know they've got it yes. because the doctor has told them. Right. Uh, those people need need constant medical care. No, indeed. Well, listen, Dr. Lawrence Buckman, a pleasure as ever. Thank you very much indeed. Dr. Buckman there uh, from North London telling us all about what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And if you are going to Google something, make sure you stay on the NHS websites and you don't go anywhere else because they'll tell you more or less probably what is actually wrong with you rather than what you might think is wrong with you. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. What I'd be without you If you should ever leave me The life would still go on, believe me The world could show nothing to me 
This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. Uh, 0344 499 1000 is the number. A couple of big questions for you in this half an hour. Uh, is God actually a man uh, or is he a woman uh, or is he actually uh, neither? The Archbishop of Canterbury doesn't seem to be entirely certain. Uh, we're going to get through uh, that in a moment uh, with Kaya Burgess, a religious affairs correspondent at The Times. Uh, also on the front of uh, decorating, I've got John saying nicotine is oil-based and if you don't clean it all down, the water-based emulsion will not dry properly. Uh, so there's a couple of tips for you if you move into a house where somebody used to smoke an awful lot uh, then you know what to do uh, this is the uh, story that uh, ash the anti-smoking uh, organization wants to see uh, council house tenants being forced to give up smoking and be told to vape instead uh, because it's going to be bad for them bad for their children bad for their families and bad uh, for the properties as well oh three four 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 nine nine one a thousand matthew wright's coming in uh, very shortly uh, just before one o'clock to tell us what's coming up on his show with kevin o'sullivan right now though let's talk to kai burgess uh, from the times kai a very good morning to you or afternoon, I should say. Um, thanks very much indeed. So, uh, the most Reverend Justin Welby, a man who's not averse to a little bit of controversy from time to time, um, <laughs> has come out with, I think, his best one yet, hasn't he? Well, I mean, it, this is a, one of those interesting points where um, if you are uh, you know, a, a devout Christian who knows their Bible quite well, it probably won't surprise you to know that God isn't given a gender in the Bible in the sense that he's, he's not human. Right. He's not a, so he's not a man or a woman. He's not male or female. But of course, all the language throughout the Bible, you, you see God called a father, a, a lord, a king. They talk about Jesus being kind of God in human form. Obviously, yeah. Jesus was a male. And so it has led to an image over you know, millennia that, that God is a male figure. And you know, even when you occasionally see God depicted in art, whether it's you know, on the roof of the Sistine Chapel, it's a big bearded kind of um, chap. Yeah, <laughs> old guy, basically. Exactly. But um, what um, the Archbishop of Canterbury was saying, essentially, was that essentially human language falls short when you're trying to describe something that is uh, a supreme being. But uh, obviously language has had to come down one side or the other. And, and a professor I spoke to said, well, you know, given 2,000 years ago, the world was very much male-dominated. It made figure to use male terms like him and king and father to refer to someone who was seen as a sort of all-powerful figure. Yes. Well, we do have the problem of the Holy Trinity as well, don't we, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, supposedly. Um, of course, yeah. But I don't know that anybody, I suppose, necessarily... I mean, certainly when I was being taught uh, Christianity as a child, I didn't really think of the Holy Ghost as a ghost, but I did think of the Holy Father as the Father. Well, indeed. I mean, interestingly, uh, some of the early terms used, for example, in Hebrew for the Holy Spirit are actually female. And sometimes the Holy Spirit was talked about as having a sort of female element, maybe God being more male. Um, it is really interesting. I mean, th there have been sort of statements in the past where, um, I mean, uh, the Bishop of Gloucester said a couple of months ago that the Church of England should avoid only referring to God as he. Right. Not necessarily saying that we should switch to she, but perhaps it helps to try and you know avoid using he or she at all, which obviously can get tricky just through <laughs> tying us up. You don't want to call God it, because that's probably not terribly uh, reverential. Uh, then what do you say? Um, <laughs> uh, so well, right, and I mean, you, your, your point in your piece this morning in The Times about a YouGov survey says that 41% of British Christians agreed that God does not really have a human gender. But in Genesis, mm -hmm. you quote this. So God created human beings in his own image, male and female, he created them, which I wasn't actually aware of. So uh, does Genesis then suggest um, that he has created men and women in his own image? Yes, so that, that's the, the, the notion. The, the weird thing that you get, and it's, it's another language thing, that in the Bible, in the earlier translations into English, it talks about God created man. 
Right. And so you sort of think God created man in his own image. Okay, right, so, you know, God's a man, essentially. But most modern translations will say God created human beings because man was a sort of broad term, so it, which makes it actually slightly clearer. But again, the, I mean, the church's own... Um, you know, articles of religion which go back centuries point out that God is not meant to have a kind of physical form. He doesn't mm. have a body and sort of body parts and reproductive organs. But right. then again, if God created human beings in his own image, it makes is, is that a spiritual sense or is God supposed to have? It's, you know, it's confusing. And even the Archbishop of Canterbury, who, if anyone's going to know the answer to these questions, it would be him. You would have yes. thought, you know, who knows after, you know, millennia of different translations and different interpretations. But the idea that God is not meant to be a male figure or not meant to be a father in the sort of sense that you obviously think of a, a human father. No, quite. Was, uh, the point he was making. But I can't help but think in this kind of febrile world in which we now live in terms of gender uh, and fluidity and all the rest of it, that, that this is mm. kind of being influenced as well. Because the other problem for a lot of people is that God is depicted, as you say, on the roof of the Sistine Chapel as, as this kind of you know old white guy uh, in mm. the sky and of course you know there's nothing could be worse now <laughs> i see your point i mean the art is it's fascinating that whenever you see depictions of jesus uh, um in most paintings da vinci paintings whatever he's always a very fair-skinned quite fair-haired tall white guy mm. whereas you know most sort of historians would say, well, this was a you know a man living in the Middle East two thousand years ago. He right. was probably quite dark skinned, dark haired, probably not terribly tall. But we have created this sort of idealised um, image of Jesus through art. Um, and is it, there, there are points about um, the, you know, the gender in the Bible. There have been campaigners who said that after you know women can now become priests, can now become of course bishops in the Church of England. Perhaps it's time to. Um, to start adopting some of the female terms, because there are a few female references to God in the Bible, talking about him as a, a mother who comforts her child, yes. for example. And even Jesus describes himself and God, by extension, as a kind of almost like a mother hen looking mm. after chicks. So there are female images in there, and perhaps there is a call from some in an age of you know, finally more equality and diversity in society and the church to kind of embrace that. I don't see think rather. I see. Do... I rather like the Labour Party and indeed the uh, the White House. I'm still. I'm pretty sure that we're not quite ready for a female god. <laughs> um, well, exactly. That's the point the Archbishop Canterbury was making. It was, wasn't that we should sort of switch gender or that we should stop calling God him, but rather that you know, God doesn't fit into you know in the Christian view of things doesn't fit into our human typography but he did, also he didn't you know he, he wasn't making any particular reference to the gender debate although it does kind of spark that question as people are being asked that perhaps you know we think long-held convictions about mm. about gender no quite and I'm, I'm assuming finally uh kaya that basically mm. the uh, uh the biggest problem that the archbishop of canterbury's got and that christianity's got is that there are fewer and fewer people that believe in god regardless of whether he is a he or a she or an it Yes, I mean that is, you know, a really good point in that in that you know religious affiliation, mainly in sort of developed Western European countries, is is falling. I mean, you'll often hear religious leaders, um, actually, uh, chief former chief rabbi Lord Sachs said this morning that actually the world is becoming more religious, and I think that's possibly mainly due to a higher birth rate in countries that are religious compared to countries that aren't possibly. But yes, I mean exactly that is the the issue that the church is pouring resources and a lot of thinking into how it can sort of reimagine itself for the for the 21st century it's realized that perhaps not everybody wants to worship by coming and sitting in a cold building on a sunday morning and so they're trying to find ways to start up church groups in kind of cafes on right. weekdays and so 
So yeah, it's, it, there's a lot. There's a lot of reimagining that's having to going on, not not just gender related. No, indeed, absolutely fascinating stuff. Kaya, thanks very much indeed. Kaya Burgess, there, religious affairs correspondent from the Times. Stanley said this week Justin Welby announced God is not a man. Two weeks ago, the Pope announced that hell doesn't exist. It's all so confusing. What about the children? Let's talk to David, who's in Northern Ireland. Hi, David. Hello, Mike. Good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon. What do you want to tell us? I, I think the bishop, the Archbishop, is right. Okay. Um, but not necessarily that God is a woman or a man. The two exist. There is, you know, for 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 anything to for for us to exist as human human beings, there is female and male God, and they walk hand in hand. So there's two gods, um, in other words. Well, I wouldn't call it two gods, but th- this God has this element of a man and a woman. Right. And if you read the Bible, when God said, "Come, let us," You know, make man in our own image. Yeah. He wasn't referring to somebody. He was he's referring. It is two the two elements of of God communicating with each, each other. Uh-huh. And 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 that's why we exist because I don't think anything can come from one particular uh, you know um, element. For a third thing to exist, there must be two elements. But so, if we and, were gonna, if we were gonna look at that in a modern sort of uh, uh, a modern image, if you like, David. I mean, if you asked somebody to paint a picture that looked a bit like God, what would it look like? I wouldn't, you know, specifically say to you, God is a man. There must be this element; otherwise, we wouldn't exist, or anything, nothing else will exist. Because but, I don't think one element can produce any other thing. There must be two elements. But that well, means in, in the modern parlance, in other words, David, he is, in fact, gender fluid. You could say that. You could say that. Dear God, you could say as that, I say. Yeah. That's, that's and, troubling and, and, and to that, me. <laughs> it, 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 seriously, it is not. You know, just take, for instance, Mike, it, there is electricity, yeah? Yeah. And it's only one part of the electricity that carries current. So, but that cannot produce light without the negative. You know, true. So, and that is how God, how we should do God. Okay. Well, that makes the sense. Elements, but that means all the pictures that we have of God are basically wrong, though. It should be wrong. So, do we have to get rid of them all? And um, it's up to the people that that have them. But uh, people should should not, you know, look at God as this male figure uh-huh. that you know created everything. If we uh, agree that. The Bible is right. We should look at it from that place. Because when he said, let us, when they say, let us make man in our own image. Yeah. This is the two elements communicating with each other. Okay. Well, it makes and, perfect sense the way you explain it, David. But I'm just, I'm just weird, weirded out about how it's supposed to look. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.